Sherm Chester along with Sam Bruno on this edition of the Seco Sports Forum. We'll uh, follow up on one item, but uh, one that dropped in our lap this weekend, uh, the biggie, is that uh, it was announced by ESPN that Tom Brady, TB12, was going to retire. And then a day later, Tom Brady said, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't say I'm retiring yet. And uh, another day later, it became official. Tom Brady wrote a three-page thesis uh, explaining why he is retiring. So, Sam, what, what's your take on, on the last days of TB12? We, we have to address the elephant in the room right off the bat. What about the no patriot mention in the retirement statement? Yeah, I, I you know, a lot of people, and that, that's one thing about what's happening now in the media. Um, I watch mostly Channel 4. And their spin was totally positive about, you know, what he's done for football and in particular the Patriots. And unfortunately, one of the one of the announcers, one of the news people threw the negative spin on. Well, he didn't mention anything about the Patriots. And, you know, and then I watched later on, they had uh, Scott Zolak, who's on radio. Uh, and uh, he, he did the same thing as, you know, he really shunned the Patriots. You know, I, I guess he has a year of a contract left with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I think the guy is smart enough to know that the, the Patriot Nation is going to do something special for him, in particular, the Kraft family. So I really wish people had just taken a deep breath, let that note go out to the people in general, especially those folks in Tampa Bay who would be a little upset if we have a big party for him this year, since he's still under contract technically for them. Um, probably has a buyout, but still, I'd let it go. If I'm going to do a party for for Tom Brady at Foxborough, I'm waiting until 2023. I'm going to give it a, a extra year just to let things calm down. Uh, they're talking about putting a bronze statue somewhere down there at, at Gillette. You know, I I just wish people would have accepted it for it was a guy 22 years in the NFL, giving it his all. Uh, exceeding any expectations that we ever had when he took the field for Bledsoe back in 2000 what was it, 2001. Uh, wow. You know, give the guy a chance to go out gracefully. <laughs> what about you? I think the non-patriot mention has a couple of angles here. The first angle is the financial angle. I think there's some contractual issues in his Tampa Bay contract that using the word retire or retirement Mm-hmm. is an issue. Okay. Um, I think there's dollars to be moved and caps to be dealt with and things that you and I have no idea as to the intricacies of what that is all about. Right. So I think that's one thing that we go to. The other side of it is the intrigue side, is the is the theory side that as of this taping, he has not filed with the NFL for retirement. Mm-hmm. So there's been nothing filed with the NFL for retiring. So that brings up the whole issue of first day of the regular season, game is at Gillette, Brady shows up, signs a one-day contract, goes to Foxborough, puts on the uniform, retires as a Patriot, and then and, and retires in that one day, never sets foot on the playing field again. Mm-hmm. So that's another whole scenario that's out there right now. I think that something's in the works because I don't, knowing the kind of guy Tom Brady is, I don't think the breakup with the Patriots was that bad that he would do something like that 
as far as say nothing on thanking the Patriots for 20 years of service and, and that whole situation. So something's coming down the line. But I think the issue about retirement could be some financial issues that he has to square away first. Because I think that coming up at the end of this week, he was due $15 million or yeah. something or other. So if he didn't retire. Right. So I think that those are the two angles that I come at on that. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, and, and you hit it on the head. That was another issue that they brought up on WBZ that, uh, you know, you'll be signed to a one year or one day contract, that is, so that you can retire as a patriot. Well, again, that's great. And I, I, I hope it happens and it, and it probably will. Uh, but give it give it time to, you know, fall in place. Uh, if he does have a contractual obligation to the folks in Tampa Bay for a year, let it roll a year. Roll, let it roll to the end of the season, whatever. I, I think he I think he had the total intention of doing this whole announcement during the two week break between the conference championships and the Super Bowl, where there's a, a week of kind of downtime right. for the NFL. Right. So I think he had that plan. I don't think he's too happy about that getting leaked by the NFL uh, journalists, uh, Schechter and those guys uh, letting all that stuff get out. I think uh, that was very, very well, that was mishandled. Yeah, it was. It was very poorly. Well, that's the other thing about going back to what I was saying a few months ago. The media jumps on everything. It used to be, I know when I when I was a cub reporter for the local radio station, the boss handed me the the Associated Press manual on how to be a newscaster or how to be a newsman, <laughs> how to do it the right way. You didn't speculate. You got your facts straight. That's that's the bottom line. And you didn't announce something before it was official. I mean, we had we had uh, different things over the years. Or, well, I wasn't there that long, but the time I was there, they, they would say this is embargoed. So it meant right, embargoed. We, we do not release this until right. whatever the time right. was. I remember the night I was at W. Well, it was DNH then, now WOKQ. The night that the Associated Press and we used to have a teletype machine went crazy with the bells ringing, and that usually meant there was a, a something major happening. And right. it was the night that Richard Nixon announced he was resigning. I, I was on the air the night that happened. So I got to read. And I still got that. It's faded <laughs> and yellow. That copy somewhere in my basement in a, in a valise I had. <laughs> that was a big story for my, my, my formative years. Uh, but there again, uh, people give the guy his due. I mean, really, he's he's done nothing bad. Um, I, I see, The only regret I have is that if he retires this year, He's going to be retiring at the same time as Ben Roethlisberger. And I, I want to see Tom Brady go in by himself or with the sure. veterans, but by himself as the star, just like, and we'll bring him up in a few minutes, Big Poppy. I want to see him be the lead guy and not have anybody, you know, like having to share the dais other than maybe a veteran or two, the, you know, that, that I don't mind. But well, we uh, know that. We know that times have changed with it. Now with social media, it used to be uh, it used to be a, a half day or a day or a few hours before you could get something out. Now it's seconds right. um, between rivals and getting it first. And uh, ESPN wanted to get this first, and um, you know they're uh, they're trying to still be a player in the NFL world, and uh, they weren't going to let this pass. So. Uh, they thought they had enough sources. Again, you know, do you have two sources? You go back to Watergate and all that kind of situation. 
you know, how, how, where are your sources? And they felt they had credible sources, but they didn't have Brady on board. They didn't have his agent on board. Right. They didn't have his father on board. Right. They didn't have the Patriot, uh, didn't have Tampa Bay on board. Right. Uh, all they had was reporters. Um, so uh, whoever Brady told, uh, he's got to look at He's got to look at his, uh, his buddies a little bit more to see if uh, they can keep a secret anymore. I think I figured it out. I think I figured it out. I'm going to go on about this later at the two minute drill, but I just, I think because he has a connection to ESPN, Tom Brady, he's been doing a program for them. And I'm going to mention that at the end of the show. And I think that's where they got their Intel. And again, I think he probably in this interview, he does for them said something probably came right on set. I'm going to retire. I've talked over with Giselle kids and whatever. I think he said something, but it should have been embargoed. And it, you, you hit it on the head with the internet. There is no embargo anymore. Uh, you, you just, you know, lose, the old saying in World War II was loose lips sink ships. I remember my right. uncle, my uncle, the 99 year old uncle who was in the Navy. I mean, that was the biggie. When you went on shore leave, you didn't say anything to anybody because it could cost your, your life or your, your, your shipmates, their lives. So, you know, this is the unfortunate part of the, uh, internet and uh, instantaneous news and uh, i i'll get into that more later uh but I, my other question is who gets custody of gronk <laughs> he can't be he can't be far behind don't you think i would think this is it i mean really if you think about it the, he he's you know lost his tag team partner so to speak and, and the other thing is future of brady i love the speculation i mean everybody's saying well he's going to run for office out in california which he could i mean hell he looks the part i mean i'd vote for him in a heartbeat if i was a you know a, a resident of california because he's his articulate guy he's you know what you what you look for in a politician nowadays the interesting scenario that might play out now is that uh i think jimmy garoppolo is going to be on the move so he may be headed to tampa bay it's like he was behind brady he's going to move behind him again move move next to him again right around the corner one last thing on on brady uh this is an interesting uh piece of speculation again nothing confirmed uh the internet throws it out there that amazon is starting their connection with the nfl next season they've already signed up they got they got al michaels is going to be their lead guy so he won't be on NBC next year, which leads you to believe maybe Collingsworth is going to be moving into the, the lead job there, uh, or should, let's put it that way. I think it's going to be Mike Tirico. Speculation is Troy Aikman is going to go over to Amazon with Al Michaels, would open up the Fox job. But Brady has got almost a direct connection, thanks to the, thanks to the folks at, at uh, Gillette. He's got a direct connection with the uh, CBS network. I don't think Brady's future is in broadcasting. I don't think so. I think there's a bigger chance of him and Peyton Manning and Michael Jordan being in the group that's going to buy the Denver Broncos that are up for sale. I see Brady more as an owner than I do see him as a broadcaster. So I think I think that's where that might may lie. You know, I think uh, I think he may be part of a group that's going to go after that franchise, which is going to be worth about three billion dollars. Mm. That's a B sharp billion. Mm. Yeah, I've, I've said, it. you know, it, it uh, CBS would probably open the vaults to put him in the, the uh, booth with Nance or whoever. Uh, he won't be the number two guy. That's for sure. I mean, as far as the number two broadcast team, he'd be number one. Uh, I don't, for some reason, I don't see him on the Fox network. I, I know there's, 
a different vibe there. But there's a possibility they put him with Joe Buck. And uh, and I don't see him going to Amazon. I think that's two small potatoes. And at this point, I mean, big money, but it's it's not going to get the focus that the other two do. And uh, we shall see. We shall see. I don't know. It's going to be interesting how they shift around here. And uh, so your speculation is he will just take it easy and become an owner of a team. He won't have anything to do with football. He may go into may go toward ownership someday until he moves back to Man- Massachusetts. Uh, gets residency in Massachusetts and runs for senator of Massachusetts. Ah, ain't happening. Ain't happening, brother. He's going to go to, if he went and did that, it's California. He's perfect for out there. He looks the part. I mean, you know, I don't know what party he's affiliated with. Uh, and that's probably part of the reason why he won't get into politics because everything is so divided in this world right now. You know, I think he wants to at least have a 75% popularity rating as opposed to 50% or 49%, depending upon what side of the issue or what side of the, what team you're on, so to speak, uh, politically. So, well, he just wants to, he wants to sell his avocado milkshakes to guys like you and me that's what, and get well, us and get us and get us in shape. And, right. And he'll, you'll see him on TV. Uh, and again, I'll, I'll save it for the two minute drill something that uh, he's doing right now. And I think what led to this uh, getting released a little early Let's go to another follow-up on the, the playoff games that went on this past weekend. So we know the Super Bowl is Cincinnati versus the L.A. Rams. Okay, that will, will – we can – I pick Cincinnati. you got to give me half credit, right? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> and, I, and I think Jimmy G, uh, like I said in the last show, I, he's not my type of quarterback. I think uh, uh, they had the game – it was theirs, but it just didn't happen. So okay, we'll start with the first game. The and the the, the storyline for that first game is the the collapse of Kansas City in the second half. How does a team that looks so good in the first half let that last score at the end of the first half dictate how that whole second half was going to go? Mahomes and the Chiefs were just inept in that second half. They couldn't do absolutely anything, and. How does that how does that happen? It has to be the coaching. It has to be the play calling. Uh, Kansas City did something or refused to make any adjustments in halftime that uh, caused them to just, uh, you know, go into the tank in the second half and and let Cincinnati roar back and tie the game. And then who knows what's going to happen in overtime? Uh, you know, trying to win two games in overtime like that is tough. I understand that. But the game never should have gone to overtime. At least Kansas City, number one, should have scored at the, at the end of the first half. And they should have scored with a minute left to go when they're at the 15-yard line in first and 10, and they couldn't get the ball in the end zone. Um, just uh, they didn't deserve to win. And so, uh, you know, is Joe Burrow going to be Tom Brady in 2002 uh, against St. Louis? Is that is that is that the storyline here? David and Goliath uh, coming up. Uh, so I think uh, I, I, I had no problem with Cincinnati winning. I had a bigger problem with Kansas City losing. Mm. Amen to that. Yeah, it, it was a well. I had said I was picking Cincinnati, but Kansas City on paper better team should have should have had a, a day of it. But uh, wow, <laughs> if you let your your foot off the gas pedal, things bad things can happen. And, and exactly did, and did and and the and the other game, uh, like I say, Jimmy G. He's not my my cup of tea. The, I'm sure they'll be shopping for a quarterback for San Francisco. The defense was playing tight they were doing their part until the end and uh 
L.A. just, you know, squeaks by, becomes the home team in the Super Bowl. I think, you know, certainly the Rams have the players and, you know, they've got the pedigree to do it. Uh, When we get the Super Bowl picks, I'll give you my idea uh, about the Rams. But I think, uh, you know, I I think with a minute and 48 left and you need a field goal to tie the game and Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't get it done. There's your story right there. Uh, Exactly. Exactly. That's that's what happened. We will we will hold back on our Super Bowl picks because we're going to do a special show next time, but let's go uh, review something that we, we touched on, but it hadn't become official when we were doing our last program. Big Poppy was elected to the hall of fame, 77 point something or other uh, percentage of the vote that got him into the hall of fame. Uh, He is the only one this year. Uh, There were a lot of uh, uh, controversial ones that that were right behind him, but didn't get enough votes. Uh, Clemens and, uh, Barry Bonds, uh, what was your take on on what you what you saw? Well, I think the numbers came up just uh, just as I I had predicted in the last show. 77 percent was pretty it was a pretty solid number uh, that was going to happen there. Um, I I I think that uh, I think everybody was most everybody was able to look past the steroid test that was the practice test, so to speak that a lot of players showed up and they didn't, uh, the, the accuracy of the test was in a lot of uh, dispute. So, uh, so I think that got our T's going through. So, uh, you know, it's going to be big time in Cooperstown coming up in July this year for him. And, uh, you know, I think as far as Bonds and Clemens not getting in, uh, people again stuck to their guns and they said, okay, we're not going to put them in as writers but the veterans committee will put them in. Uh, they will get in through the veterans committee. I just want to touch on something. I've been reading a book and we've been talking about it for a while. It's a long book. It was the baseball 100 by Joe Posnanski. And, and uh, the guy that was right below them on the voting tally was Kurt Schilling. He missed it in his final year of eligibility. So now he's got to go to the veterans committee and they feel that he'll get picked uh, in the veterans, uh, in the veterans selections. But what he mentions in that book is that Schilling has all the stats and, 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 and the guts when it came to pitching in big games, but his political views really shot him in the foot. And especially when he was doing his thing against the baseball writers. So, right. you know, you right. know, you know <laughs> so it just, it did him in and, and the veterans probably will put him in. It was funny in that book, he mentions a few old timers and it, it was surprising that there were years that the writers did not put anybody into the Hall of Fame. It was like in the in the mid '40s, up to the early '50s, they didn't put anybody in the Hall. It was the Veterans Committee that did it, and an old Gas House Gang player from the St. Louis uh, Cards or Browns. I'm not sure which. Frankie Frisch, I think he was the Cardinals. He was the head of the committee, the Veterans Committee. So he put all these guys that were his buddies from St. Louis in, and and guys that were marginal at best, and and so. Uh, in his book, Poznanski says, you know, it's kind of sad that there are there are people in the Hall of Fame that don't deserve to be there. And yes. then people that should be that just got passed over or they're an afterthought as the veterans say, oh, yeah, uh, Archie Vaughn is one that he mentions. And, and I just it was in one of those names that you hear about in the right. old days of baseball. But, you know, he had the had all the stats, but he just wasn't a, a showman, you know, like some of these guys um, back to the, the vote. Uh, well, actually, 
Cappy is going to be going in with, and let's see, he's got other people in the veterans uh, selections that are going to be there. I got to dig it out here on my phone. He's going to be going in with uh, Gil Hodges. Now, there's one. The Veterans Committee put him in. I've been hearing his name kicked around for years. Sure, sure. And he wrote a book about it, you know, uh, his, his exploits and, and accomplishments. So he'll be going in with Gil Hodges, Tony Olivo, um, Minnie Minoso, Jim Cat. Let's see who else uh, from black baseball and the Negro leagues. It's Bud Fowler and also Buck O'Neill. And we know right. Buck O'Neill is the ambassador yep. of the Negro leagues uh, and cat uh, and Tony Oliva. They will be inducted uh, posthumously. So uh, it's a, uh, yeah, it's, it's a nice, nice uh, array of names going into the hall. I like all those names that they've got there with big, big poppy. And he's obviously the lead guy, been a great spokesman for the sport. He has fun. That's what I like about the guy. You know, he, he, you see him after the post game or pregame and post games uh, for the different series uh, for Fox and he's having fun. And I like, you know, he's a good ambassador. That's, that's, that's what I'm happy about that. They need more of those types in the hall of fame sure. controversy. You know, we'll see if Clemens, all of us that are Red Sox fans would love to see him in there just for his accomplishments with the Red Sox, but you brought it up. It's all that sketchiness in his later years, trying to get a little more gas out of the tank, <laughs> you know, and bonds, obviously there was some issues there. So we'll see. Time will tell. Let's, uh, before we go into our two minute drill, I want to uh, congratulate the seniors and you have some news about the uh, schoolboy and schoolgirl basketball tournaments are upcoming. Uh, they kick right. off next week. So uh, how about you start off with the news and then you can congratulate those ladies from the Blue Hawks. Okay. Uh, again, we'll uh, talk about the, the season wraps is wrap up, wrapping up this week. Um, again, the condensed schedule gets the season done the first week of February with the wrap up being the championship games on February 20th at UNH. Division one boys at 10 a.m., division two boys at 1 p.m., division one girls at 4 p.m., division two girls at 7 p.m., all at UNH, all on one day, February 20th. So now for the playoffs, the first round of the playoffs will be in the girls' side of the bracket, will be the top 14 teams will make it, top two teams will get a bye. And then the other teams will play a preliminary round game, quarterfinal round game, semifinal game. And just announced today, the semifinals will be Tuesday the 15th for the girls division one. And it will be six and eight o'clock at Exeter High School. So uh, Exeter High School will host the division two. I checked that division one semifinals for the girls. Um, over on the boys side, uh, everything is about a day after that. Still don't know where the semis are going to be for the boys division one uh, situation there. So uh, again, everybody uh, looking toward the 20th of February for four championship games at UNH. Now over for the girls and then we'll shift over to the boys for you, Sherm. Uh, congratulations to the uh, Exeter girls. They finished with a regular season of eight and 10. Congratulations to the Blue Hawk girls seniors, Lily Dickinson. Um, Jaden Rancourt and Aaron McElroy uh, for finishing up their season uh, and best of luck to them on, on the girls side. Uh, 
the favorites are going to be uh, pretty simple. Pinkerton, Portsmouth, Bedford, Concord, and Girton. Those are the top five. And there's not a lot separating those teams. Um, I've seen Pinkerton. I've seen Bedford. I've seen Concord. I've seen Bishop Girton. And on any given night, any of those teams can beat the other. So those are your favorites going into the tournament. I haven't seen Portsmouth, so I'm not sure about them yet. But uh, if I had to pick any team right now to go all the way, uh, I would I would I would pick Pinkerton. I would think Pinkerton the way that they play, uh, the pace that they play at, they're going to be a, a tough beat. Uh, over on the boys' side, Sherm. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I COVID unfortunately has uh, taken its toll on a few of the players for the Blue Hawks. So uh, Coach Holmes has had to kind of put together uh, some JV players, call them up real fast and uh, have them answer the call. And they've, and they've done well, they've done well. They uh, uh, had a real seesaw battle going on uh, with the uh, Wyndham Jaguars. And uh, again, it's all chemistry. This is not the time when you want to lose players because you got to get that, that mojo going. And unfortunately having these guys come from the JVs and they're, and they've doing, done, great things for Kevin Walker on the JV team, but it's like, okay, you got to deliver. <laughs> so, and they have, they have overall, they have it's, but getting that chemistry of five guys and then substitutes getting in, you know, the rhythm of things uh, it, it's been rocky, but it, it, it's, it's, it's happened for him again, that uh, Wyndham Jaguar game. They, they won that in overtime. Uh, it was a, it was a struggle. It was a, it was a slobber knocker, like one of the wrestling commentators called it. Uh, but they did it and they needed that win because it's seating. It's all in the seating. I, at this point, and right after we finished our last program, I said, Trinity is I, in my opinion, the team to beat. They are, I thought they might sweep the table. Unfortunately, they lost that next night, <laughs> that next game. So they're not going to be an undefeated team, but I still say they're the team to beat. Uh, but we got a lot of talent and on a given night. It's whose chemistry is there. I hope we're healthy by the time the playoffs start next week. I, From what I understand, the guys that had to sit it out because of the COVID issue will be back. There were a couple of guys that had some injuries that had to sit out the previous game. Uh, they're fine. They're back. So let's just keep our fingers crossed that we get a good seed. We uh, hopefully can get a home field playoff to start it off, and uh, we'll see where it goes. I mean, it's on a given night. Everybody shows up. But I want to congratulate the senior guys um, and their families. But Will Ducharme, Owen Grace, Nathan Gregoire, Conan Latalian, uh, Johnny Meyer, Nate Ross, Aaron Scher, Max Smith, and Samir Usta, seniors for the Blue Hawks, uh, who've done great work so far. We want to see them keep rolling along and uh, like to see them over in UNH on the 20th of February. That'd be great. Good luck to all the teams involved and uh, to both the uh, Blue Hawks and the uh, boys and girls teams. I hope they get a good, good seed and, and home court advantage. And then let's go to the two minute drill, my friend. What you got for me? Well, I think, you know, when we get close to Super Bowl, um, you know, you start thinking about baseball. And again, uh, we're going to have to get through um, this whole work stoppage thing. Uh, I think that baseball players and union people are trying to do this. And I just shake my head constantly about the fact that you've got a product that is, is really needs some adjusting. And while they're trying to work out the financials here, they're not spending enough time in the labor negotiations on how to fix the game. There are some adjustments that need to be done. 
uh, as far as the pace of play, as far as the um, uh, extra innings, as far as the designated hitter. These are all things that have to be resolved to get the product moving, but they're still trying to figure out uh, how much bonus pool money here and all this situation. You know, we know it's all financial in that situation, but the owners and the players are going to drive the the uh, the sport into the ground unless they solve some of these issues and be a little bit aggressive on it. So I think baseball, you need to wake up. You need to wake up right now and get through this labor shortage. Again, I'm not worried about losing spring training. That's That's not a big deal for me. I mean, if they need to take this to the last week of February and then figure it out, that's fine with me. Or the last week of March, I should say, and figure it out. That's fine. Um, but don't put the regular season in jeopardy. Make some of these necessary changes and go for a longer term agreement so you don't have to keep bringing this back at least five years, hopefully seven years. It would be great if it was a 10 year agreement with you where you could reopen into some options uh, later on. But uh, they need to, they need to address it, and they need to address it now. And uh, and and really, it's getting close to save the sport time right now uh, for Major League Baseball. You're right. I mean, if they lose the season because of COVID or parts of the season with COVID, as they have in the past too, um, it just it, it, they need to. <laughs> baseball is really starting to lose their momentum with with uh, the kids, the people they need to get for a new generation. Uh, so they can't afford to lose any time. I mean, really, they've got to keep it going. And like you said, spring training is really not all that important for the pros, the, the big guys, because they're, pra- they're most of them. You've got the real real guys like a, a J.D. Martinez. He's he's practicing all year round. He doesn't just take the winter off. You know, the old days, they'd be working on a second job because they didn't make any money. They're going back to those 40s and 50s and 60s. Those guys. They didn't make the money, so they had to have a second job. Most of them were at warehouses or lumberyards and beer representatives, right? Well, I tell you what, we got a special guest. I tried to get Coach Taylor on with us. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't today, but I, I did get somebody that could do a two-minute drill for us. Um, and Bill Belichick, well, he wasn't available for our show today. So I, I went to the, the guy that is a Hall of Famer and, and has the same initials, Bill Ball. And Coach Ball is going to give us his opinion of Tom Brady and, and his legacy. Certainly generational guy. Um, there won't be another like him. There won't be, you know, certainly no one before him, no one after him. Um, his attributes, all the intangibles, obviously, but the leadership part of it is incredible. His ability to come back. His ability to come back from knee surgery years ago and, and to keep himself in such top physical condition throughout 22 years is is a near miracle. Um, he's an all-time, all-time, and um, there won't be another one, like I said, like him. Unbelievable. And we'll have more with Coach Ball coming up on our next program. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. But first, my two-minute drill. We've been talking about Tom Brady and a lot about what transpired with ESPN breaking the news of his retirement a couple of days early. And I think I figured it out. He has been doing a show for ESPN plus called man in the arena. And it's a multi-part series 
focusing on his 22-year career. It's really done well. I have to admit, it's a lot of the NFL films tied in and Tom talking about how it started back in 2001, the big decision by Belichick. And I think the last segment has been taped, but hasn't been released yet. And I think in that one, he told whoever the, the announcer is in it off screen that, yeah, this is it. And that's how it all slipped. But, you know, the embargo thing we mentioned way back at the beginning of the show, nobody honors those. We're going to have a special Super Bowl show next week or in our next edition of the, of the program. Uh, we're going to do our picks. I'm going to, I, and I've been doing a survey of people about who do they think is going to win. But the other survey is the food they're going to eat during the Super Bowl. Another thing I will mention, I'm also part of that USA Today uh uh, the, the, where I get to look at the ads ahead of time and get the vote on them. So we'll, we'll, I, so far they haven't released any, but uh, we'll talk about that in the next program too. So for Sam Bruno, this is Sherm Chester, inviting you to join us for the next edition of the Seco Sports Forum. Be sure to subscribe and hit the bell to get notified about new episodes of the Seco Sports Forum. Follow the Sports Forum team behind the scenes on our Facebook and Twitter pages. This is Sherm Chester inviting you to join us for the next edition of the Seco Sports Forum. Yeah.